Today, I am talking about the 13 things you should never have in your property when you rent it out. A lot of them are safety issues and some of them may seem common sense, but it really is worthwhile to check through this list and make sure that you are clearing your property of all these items. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, I am super delighted to be back with you once again. Summer's fast approaching. In many places, summer has probably already begun and the season is well underway. But I think even if you've already started renting out your property on a consistent basis, or if you're running a property management company, if you have um, a number of homes that are being rented out. This is a good time to just reflect on what's being left in the property, um, whether it is safe to leave, whether it's something that's left that guests are not going to like, or whether it's just something you just need to get out of the property in order to meet some regulations. So I'm going to talk today about the 13 things that you should not leave in a vacation rental at any time. And I haven't done much of an introduction today because I want to get through all 13 because they really are important. Many of these things I had in my properties when I was renting them out a decade or more ago, and it was just taken as something that you did. And, and I'm sure you will recognise, if you've been in the business a long time, you'll recognise a lot of these things that you probably did have in, in your homes and they're not considered acceptable now. So without further ado, I'm going to leap straight in here. As I say, there's a lot to get through. And these are in no particular order, not really doing anything in order of importance. I just think every single one of them is important to pay attention to. Um, so as we go through the list, you can sort of check it off and think, mm, yes, maybe I should be looking at that, taking it out of the property or properties, or certainly giving some consideration to the, the safety aspect of it, etc. And I do have a download for you as well. If you're out hiking or running or driving a car or whatever, and you don't want to make a list of all these things, I've got a handy little download. You can go to the show notes after and download it with a bit more information on there as well. Okay, so let me kick off. Number one, it's something that we say to every single owner that comes to us in the property management company, in the property management company that I used to be CEO of. Of course, I am no longer CEO of CLRM. However, I'm still out there talking to owners. And I say this a lot in response to the question about, will there be damage? Are people going to hurt my stuff? And one of the things we always say is, you know, remove anything of monetary or emotional value. And that doesn't mean stripping the place clean of everything, but it, it does mean taking anything out that you'd be emotionally unhappy about if it was broken or damaged. 
it's unlikely anything's ever going to get stolen. After, after all, you know what was in your property when guests checked in. So if something's missing when they check out, you know, the culprit is pretty obvious. So people stealing stuff isn't a big thing. It doesn't very often happen. But accidental damage is more of a possibility. So if you just simply remove anything that would upset you if it got broken is a really good idea. And I'm thinking about, you know, knickknacks or ornaments that have familial value to you. Maybe it was grandmother's or an old aunt, or it's been in the family for, for, for generations. That's the sort of thing that you should think about moving out. I mean, just replace it with something else, you know, so go to Marshall's or a store like that. There's so much stuff in there that you can buy really inexpensively that could replace anything that might be of emotional value to you. We had an owner last year ask us about an original painting that they had on the wall, and it was a beautiful painting, but it wasn't glass covered. It was it was simply, I don't know what you call it, but an open oil painting. And he said, well, I suppose, you know, no, and I said, well, nobody's going to steal it because you'd know who stole it. And that is very unlikely. But I said, how would you feel if somebody was coming down the, it was in a, a downstairs hallway, somebody was coming through the hallway with a glass of wine and they tripped and it got splashed in some way. How would you feel? So he loved that. He loved the painting. So decided to take it down, replace it with a print, a very similar print. And when he was in residence, when he was using the place, then he put his original oil painting back up again. It was that simple. So it doesn't take a lot, but if something should occur, if some damage should occur, the owner is going to be less stressed about it, let's say. Number two is candles. Justin Ford will tell you this, probably out of the gate, never ever have candles in your vacation rental. Now, this is one of those that I remember going back years and years ago, and I always put candles in my vacation rental. I had scented candles and a cupboard full of them and allowed my guests to use them until I had this conversation uh, with Justin at some point in the past, and he said, look, when are people going to use candles? Firstly, they use them for ambience in an evening when probably alcohol is involved. So they've got some candles out, they've put them out in, in saucers, or maybe they're just standing them on a table. Somebody walks past, trip once again, a slip or a trip, knocks a candle over, and then you have a fire started. Secondly, people are going to use candles when there's a power outage. I know I do here in my house. We've got a bunch of candles and power goes out. To me, they're secure. I know exactly where to put them, where they're going to be safe. They're not going to get knocked over. It gives us that nice ambient light when you're sitting there with a power outage. But when you've got guests in a vacation rental, they are unused to the space. They don't know their way around. And I'm just going back to a rental we stayed at in Exuma years and years ago. And the very first night we were there, the power went out. And there were some candles and we lit candles and there were only two or three of them. So to walk from room to room and have some light, we had to carry the candles. 
and there were steps all over this this property. You know, you step down from one level from the dining room down to the living room, and you step down a couple of steps. We were careful, but generally, you know, people are on vacation. They don't think to sort of map out the place in their heads when they arrive in case there's a power outage. They just don't think about that. So there is a real risk that if you've provided a couple of candles and they need to go from room to room during a power outage, they are going to carry those candles. And if they slip and fall, once again, you've got that risk of fire. So remove all candles, replace them with flameless alternatives. It's just a simple fire safety precaution. Also, you know, provide a power outage kit that includes flashlights or battery lanterns. Far safer. You've given them the options. These are the things that are available to them. And your property is going to be safer and your guests are going to uh, to be safer as well. The other thing to have you know, for, for power outages, of course, is the wall devices that come on automatically when the power goes out and they're battery controlled. Uh, have half a dozen of those scattered around the house in, in sockets and your guests are not going to need to carry around those candles, which is so much safer. Number three is one that is really dear to my heart. This could cause an argument, and I know it always does when it comes out in Facebook groups, and that's toxic air fresheners. Please, please don't have the plugins in any of your properties. More guests than ever are reporting allergies, and they're requesting that chemical fragrances aren't used before their arrival. I used to use these things. I used to have these plugins all over my house. I also used to smoke. <laughs> I wouldn't dream of doing it now. You know, from a health perspective, air fresheners have been associated with all sorts of adverse effects, migraine headaches, asthma attacks, infant illnesses, breathing difficulties, etc. If you just simply remove them, then you are taking out that risk of somebody making a complaint or, or using it as an excuse to get a refund or rebate or to get out of the rental altogether. And it just is prudent not to use them at all. It should never be necessary to introduce plug-in toxic air fresheners into a home. A home should smell naturally good. If you must use some sort of fragrance in your home, because that's what you like, then just simply have a dish that is out of sight that has some bicarb of soda in it and a couple of drops of essential oil in it. That will do the trick. So please take out those air fresheners. They really are ghastly. Ghastly? Ghastly. Nice English expression, ghastly. Number four. I remember when I first started in this business, we bought, and I had three properties at the time when we kicked off, and we bought for each one of them the pack of tomato ketchup, mustard, and relish. You could get them in a three-pack in Walmart. And each one of my properties had this three-pack in them at the beginning of the season. We didn't take them out. We didn't, take, we didn't do that at changeovers. We didn't get rid of them because somebody would used them. We just left them. And it was pretty standard in our cottage properties at that time, that when you got there, you opened the fridge and there were half used relishes, ketchups, mustards, etc. And it was standard. 
and you would find it in just about every rental. And then you'd go into a cupboard and you'd find packets of pasta and cereal and flour, etc. It used to be the norm. And for some, I'm sure for some listeners, you're thinking, well, yeah, we still do that a bit. Today's guests expect to see a pristinely clean and empty fridge. They want to open the fridge and find it just sparkly clean and empty. And then they've got plenty of space to store their own food. So if you use your property, then just have another fridge somewhere. If it's in a basement or or a mudroom or somewhere, have your owner's fridge where you can just move out your stuff, put it away and leave the rental fridge completely empty. Uh, Gives your guests plenty of space to store their own food. There are liability issues in leaving behind non-perishable products. So just don't risk a claim. And once again, recalling my experience way back 20, more than 20 years ago of a guest going into one of my cottages and then calling up and saying, well, we just arrived, but the cupboards were full of food. So we've thrown it all out. And I was really taken aback. There was loads of stuff in the cupboards that I thought my guests would like to use. And this lady had just bagged everything up and thrown it out. I was really unhappy about that. But now I understand, you know, people don't want somebody else's open packets, open jars. I mean, we can talk here a little bit about herbs, spices, etc. because I personally like to go to a vacation rental and not have to carry with me all my favorite herbs and spices. So I have no objection to a collection of herbs, spices, oils, vinegars, etc. cetera, um, being at a property. Entirely up to you whether you want to have completely empty cupboards or you do want to leave some non-perishable foods there. But be very much aware that there's many guests who don't want to see that at all. I mean, certainly if you're going to leave them, then make it known that you are leaving something in your guest guide. Just say, you may find some herbs and spices. Please feel free to use them. If you don't want to use them, just simply ignore them. But there is also plenty of space for your own food. So that, that's one way of doing it. It's an interesting topic. It comes up over and over again on the Facebook groups and forums, people discussing it. And certainly in different states in the US, I think there's actually laws that say you cannot leave any form of food. I seem to remember staying in, oh, it was New Orleans. It was New Orleans. I went to New Orleans for a VRMA conference and... I think there was tea and coffee and absolutely nothing else. There was some salt and pepper, but it was wrapped up in cellophane. It was clearly brand new. It it was a new one, obviously, for every guest. And somebody said to me, said, you know, and I don't know if it it is the case in New Orleans or in Louisiana, that there is a law that says you cannot leave any type of food for your guests. I'd be happy to hear from anybody who, who wants to put me right on that one. But that was the first time I had heard it and it was quite interesting. Okay, so basically, if you do a changeover and you open the fridge and they've left a whole bunch of half empty bottles of barbecue sauce and relish and chutneys, etc., get rid of it. Get rid of it. Take it home, by all means. Give it to your cleaner, but don't leave it for the next guests. 
So number five is toxic cleaning materials. And once again, I'm talking about US states where many US states where it's forbidden for hosts to leave any cleaning materials in a short-term rental due to the risk of misuse. And I know here in Ontario, there are no such regulations. However, it really makes sense to remove any cleaning product that uses bleach or ammonia. A couple of reasons for that. One, you know, it's got to be stored in a high cabinet away from children. So you could be seen as liable if a child ingests a cleaning material that you left in a cupboard under a sink, let's say. However, the other risk, of course, is that your guests will happily spray the bleach cleaner all over the place and it's going to get onto your furniture, perhaps your soft fabrics. And then you're going to have bleach spots and you're going to complain about the guests using that cleaner that you left for them to use. It's a little bit different from them bringing their own cleaners with bleach when you absolutely don't leave anything whatsoever. So just think about that. And and we've had many instances of owners contacting us and saying, you know, there's bleach marks on a seat cover on a dining chair and us asking, well, did you leave any cleaning products with bleach in them? And when they say yes, it's really, well, there is no case here because if a guest is using a spray cleaner that you've left for them, you have to take the responsibility that they may inadvertently get splashes on your fabric. You can't expect them to be using the property and taking care of it in exactly the same way as you do. And I I had an owner once say, well, it's completely common sense that you wouldn't use a cleaner with bleach in it anywhere near fabrics. And I said, well, Yes, but to <laughs> to um, coin my friend Tyan Marsink's favourite phrase, when they're in vacation brain mode, they're not thinking about what's in the cleaning bottle. They want to get rid of a mark on a table and they're going to use what's been left for them. So really think about it and about you know how you want what you leave to be used or just don't leave it. I mean, I think it's great to to leave some cleaning materials because people like that. But you can buy the green ones, the ones that don't contain the bleaches or ammonias. And I just suggest that you do that. So number six is matches. Again, thank you to Justin Ford. Matches have no place whatsoever in a rental property, he says. You should provide battery candles um, for power outages and gas lighters for barbecue and campfire lighting, etc. And just remove the matches. On every changeover, make sure your cleaners check the kitchen drawers to make sure there's no old book matches hanging around in there. I mean, this is... It's very unlikely to be the case these days because I don't think, I'm not sure book matches even exist much anymore. You know, this is going back into the 1990s where you'd, you'd open a kitchen drawer in, in a rental and there would there'll probably be 20 or more book matches in there. I'm sure some people listening to this have no idea what I'm talking about when I, when I mention book matches. But, you know, still guests may leave, uh, may bring them. They might leave them behind. 
So just make a note in your checklist for the cleaners to watch out for matches on a changeover. I mean, if they're having a birthday party or, you know, it's a child's birthday while they're there, that's often when somebody will bring a box of matches and just to make sure that they can light the candles on the birthday cake. So just that little check could make all the difference to you. Number seven is flammable household items. This always brings to mind uh, the thing we've said, and I'm, I'm going to talk about gas generators in a minute, but yeah, you don't want to leave. I mean, gasoline obviously is a dangerous flammable liquid and we'll come to that. But did you know that some powdered spices, flour, oranges, even non-dairy creamer can be dangerous around flames as well? You know, once a fire is going, some of these things can accelerate uh, a fire situation. I never knew that. I never knew that about a bowl of oranges, that if you have a fire, then having a bowl of oranges is likely to accelerate the fire. I mean, that that's a little bit far-fetched to think about, but for a short-term rental, the most important items to remove are any form of rubbing alcohol, nail polish remover, linseed oil. All these have proved capable of accelerating that fire situation. So if your guests have access to any of those, obviously you want to make sure they're out of the way. But even so, even if they don't have access to them, if they're if they're tucked away in a lockable cabinet, then it may just be wise to remove them altogether just to be on the safe side. So really have a think about, you know, take a look around, see if, if, if there is anything that is particularly flammable that, uh, that you should have taken out. Number eight is a favorite of mine. It's extension leads. <laughs> As I record this, I'm looking down at the floor in my studio and there are extension leads scattered everywhere and probably far too many things plugged into them. But you know, when I leave my studio, when I walk out at the end of recording a podcast, I unplug the extension lead itself. So it's not just unplugging things that are in the extension lead, but I unplug the the whole device. Um, according to the safety experts at Breezeway, in the region of three and a half thousand home fires annually originate in extension cords. Have a think about that. And these kill 50, on average, 50 people and injure many, many more. And, you know, <laughs> a home fire that originates in your extension cord could you know, take your entire home. It could take out all your guests with it. And you just don't, don't even want to imagine going there. I mean, overheating and fires are usually caused by overloading or connecting appliances that consume more watts than the cord can handle. We don't often think about this. We're just you know, anyone got an extension cord and you find something, you plug it in, everybody's plugging in their stuff without thinking about the wattage that that actual cord can handle. So it's probably better that you don't have extension cords at all. You just make sure you've got enough sockets that people can plug all their things in. If they bring their own, there's nothing, you can't do anything about them bringing their own extension leads. But if those extension leads are not your own, you cannot be held liable for anything that may occur because of that. Number nine, access to power tools. 
I love this. I went I went to a property recently, and there were uh, th- there was a room in the basement, and the owner sort of threw open the door and said, "So they've got an extra fridge, an extra freezer. Here's a washer dryer." Um, and I looked around, and the, there was shelves, and there was a chainsaw. There were drills. There were electric. Just just all the electric power tools you could imagine. And they're all piled in this room. So when guests come to your property, they assume that they have ex- access to everything that is left in the home and that, that it is for their use, unless they are specifically told not to use them. Um, you know, they, they wouldn't think twice about using the air fryer or the bread machine because they've been left in the kitchen. So it's not unreasonable to think if a guest comes across a power drill, or a chainsaw in a room, accessible basement or a garage, and the need arises, they might consider them to be available for their, for, for their own use. So really think about what you are leaving behind and think how much easier it would be just to put them away and keep them out of your guests and your guests' children's reach always have in mind everywhere in your home that children will have access to these rooms. And this is particularly the case in older properties, which may have basements and storerooms where, where things are kept. And you know th- those things like paint cans, tins of other stuff that could be totally lethal if ingested or got onto the skin please take some time to look around the property and to assess what could be dangerous if somebody got hold of it. And particularly, as I say, particularly if a child got hold of it. Scary, isn't it? Once again, looking back, you know, I remember these cottages I had. We had one with a basement because it seemed to go on forever. And it was was like a crypt. Um, It was full of cobwebs and and spiderwebs. And really, I don't think anybody... We asked people not to go in there, but the electrical panel was there. Um, so if there was a power outage, we would we would usually ask guests to go and check the panel first of all. And I never really thought about the other stuff that we left there. And we'd been doing decorating, we'd been doing renovating. There was there was not just power tools, but just other tools like saws and sharp stuff that in the hands of a kid. Well, it, it uh, once again does not bear thinking about, but what does bear thinking about is what you can actually do about it and just check through, make sure everything's out of reach. Number 10, and I said I'd come back to this one. This is a gas powered generator. So I want you to imagine this scenario and this happens on numerous occasions. These types of weather events, you know, it's the end of a lovely day on the lake. Everybody's, you know, been sitting around, they've been drinking beer and wine and having such a wonderful time. But now the storm clouds are gathering. And this happy group of guests who've been having some wine and beer on the dock, they're coming in to spend a couple of hours playing games indoors and maybe to have a barbecue. Then there's a flash and a boom and the power goes out. So after some attempts to find candles or flashlights, one guest recalls that they saw a gas generator when they were wandering around the property when they arrived. 
And they also recall seeing some gasoline in the shed. Again, when they did that wander around at the, when they arrived, because people do that, they will go everywhere they have access to and look around and see what they can find. So here's this happy band wanting to play games indoors, wanting to carry on this wonderful day into the evening. And somebody has identified the generator and gasoline. So with just a light from a phone, because they couldn't find any candles or flashlights, with a light from a phone, a beer, and the gas lighter in hand, he heads out to investigate. So what could possibly go wrong? Well, you can imagine what might go wrong. I will leave that entirely to your imagination, because it doesn't take much to see where that scenario will go. So first things, you know, if power outages are likely to occur in your area at any time, consider investing in an automatic generator. It could save your property from being burnt down. I certainly don't have a gas generator and a can of gasoline available for anybody to use anyway. But, you know, it comes back to this whole business about candles and matches and having all this how to start a fire kit available to your guests when all you need to do is is invest in that automatic generator. So when the lights go out, the power stays on. And certainly, you know, you can buy a lower powered generator that is simply going to power your fridge, a couple of lights, a couple of sockets, maybe a, a hot plate or something. You know, if you've got one of these... Um, standalone hot plates that will just go into a, into a socket, then you're giving your guests the means to see in the dark. You're giving them the means to cook. You're giving them the means to get another cold beer from the fridge. And you are lessening the risk and the likelihood of somebody having an accident or at worst having a fire. So number 11, I saw one of these recently, actually, it's dartboards. I've been a host. I don't have a property now um, and I wouldn't do this again. But we love to upsell on features and a games room is a really desirable extra that could swing a booking decision your way. You know, somebody looks at a listing and they see a pool table, they see football or air hockey, something like that, which is great. But unless you're completely comfortable with having your drywall pockmarked with holes, do not provide a dartboard. Just don't do it. Apart from the clear risk of of supplying the pointy projectiles for your guests to use and for kids to use and kids throw things at each other and they throw things at the furniture and they throw things at the walls. And, you know, hey, if you've got a dartboard, if they hit the dartboard, then that's a bonus. But just don't give them that opportunity because you're giving the green light for your guests to throw these darts at the wall uh, in the hope of hitting a target and the relatively small small area of board that surrounds it. I remember an owner a few years ago who called us up and said, I want to charge last week's guests because they did not respect my dart board. There's holes in the wall surrounding the dartboard. And we said, well, no, you provide a dartboard and you're providing the darts for people to throw at it. We, we can't help it and they can't help it if they miss the dartboard. Unless you're saying, you know, your, your, your guests must have been registered dart players, if there is such a thing. I think there is in England. 
registered dart players for the last five years and can guarantee hitting the board on you know, 90% of the time, then they're not allowed to use it. Unless you could, unless you do that, then there is a solid likelihood that they will miss the board and the pointy projectiles will hit your walls. So we weren't able, well, we were not willing to make any claim for that issue because it was provided for by the owner. So please avoid dartboards. My old business partner, I've mentioned this many, many times before, and he had a saying that he would say to me over and over again when I got really excited about adding something new to my to the properties. And he was an investor in our properties. And I wanted to add new things. And, and I'd go to him and say, hey, we should get this and we should get this. And he would just sit back and he'd say, does it sell more chickens? Always ask that question. Does it sell more chickens? And, and I'd go... Yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> Am I going to get a higher rental rate? Am I going to get a higher occupancy? Am I going to get better reviews if I do not have, if I get this particular item? If it's not going to make the darn bit of difference, then why get it? And that certainly goes for things like dartboards, which can cause more issues than not. Okay, number 12, glass-topped tables. Please remove all glass top tables because it takes away a major risk of breakage and potential liability claims. I hate to see glass top tables inside properties, you know, coffee tables, side tables, even, you know, we've seen large dining tables which have a glass insert. We won't cover them for under our damage protection plan because they are such a clear risk of, of being broken. And then not only that, as I say, it's potential liability claims. If a child breaks inadvertently, plonks down a heavy toy on a glass top table and it breaks and the child gets cut, guess who's going to be to blame? And that is going to be the owner who has supplied the means for the accident to occur. Why do it? I think it's, I mean, apart from anything else, they're, they're, they're a devil to clean and, and keep sparkly clean. So, so just don't do it. Sell them on Craigslist or whatever and get yourself a nice, robust uh, coffee table that is going to stand the rigors of guest rentals. So this applies equally to patio tables uh, as well as interior, occasional and dining furniture because the risk of an umbrella picking up in an unexpected gust of wind and coming down on an outside table is high and it's not the guest's fault. So, you know, don't open them up to that risk. And we have had this multiple times in the past, calls from owners to say, my patio table broke and I want to make a claim. So how did it break? Well, there was the, the guest was sitting outside and then a gust of wind came up and the umbrella came down and it broke the table. So I want it replaced. And <laughs> but you, once again, you supplied the item that had the greatest amount of risk of being broken or damaged by an act of God, by a gust of wind. It's tough. And I probably get some feedback on this, but I'm adamant. We've seen over the past 20 years, we have probably seen dozens and dozens of 
incidents of patio table, glass topped patio tables being broken. And sometimes the umbrella doesn't have to be open. You know, it's, it's just an umbrella in that hole in the center of the table. Maybe the weight at the bottom was not strong enough to hold the umbrella in place. You know, the umbrella stand wasn't strong enough and a big gust of wind has come along and shifted the whole thing. And then the glass breaks. And now you're down a table. You also have all that glass to clear up. And trust me, (laughs) that can be going on for quite a long time, making sure that all that glass is gone. Okay. I'm at number 13. I'm not going to say much about this one, but just this one is just a big, do not do it. Take them out, take out the hammocks. Please do not have a hammock at your vacation rental. I don't care how sturdy it is, how tightly it's attached to a tree or whatever. On the show notes, I'm going to put a link to a news report about two sisters that died in a freak hammock accident. And this was a hammock. It wasn't at a vacation rental. It was at a, it was at a I, I think it may have been at the grandparents' home, but this hammock had been there forever. It was screwed into a wall. But the two sisters were in the hammock and the wall collapsed and collapsed on them. And it was just a heartbreaking, tragic incident that... You know, it says it was a freak hammock accident. And yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what it was. It had been used for years and there was never any issue. Avoidable? Well, yes, I guess if there was no hammock there, then that accident would have been avoidable like anywhere else. But when you're considering your vacation rental, you're actually creating situations for your guests to enjoy, endure, whatever. If you attach a hammock to two trees and you may think that they are sturdy trees and that the attachments have been ultra tested, but if somebody falls out of the hammock, falls to the ground, hurts themselves, you're to blame for having that hammock in place in the first place. And the other thing that I hate to see in, in a vacation rental are the, um, the cheaper hammocks that you can buy in Home Depot or Costco, the the freestanding ones. They are just, you know, an invitation for two or three people to climb in at once and then fall to the ground or the whole thing collapse because there's too much weight in it and injuries are going to occur. And once again, you have supplied the device, you have supplied the, the feature and you are held responsible for it. And then the other, the other thing is, of course, for anything that you supply your guests with that could be the cause of an accident, you have to check that on every single changeover. You have to check that the bolts are secure, that they're tightened, that everything is, is safe and your guests are not going to be harmed by it. And then you would need to have a signed document to say that all these things were checked and somebody has to sign it to say that they did that check. If you don't have these things in the first place, it's not going to, it's not going to be required, is it? I know this sounds, this sounds tough and it's almost like saying, take everything out of your vacation rental and leave this sterile space and let them come and enjoy as much as they can of that sterile space. 
but it's it's not it's about being it's about being accountable of course it's about really thinking about what you're supplying your guests how they're likely to use those things and what your liability might be if something should occur it just just crossed my mind actually that i hadn't mentioned baby equipment and that probably is really should be number 14 here this is a bonus do not supply baby equipment period don't supply high chairs don't supply cribs to a degree don't supply baby gates either i've got a baby gate for my dog we don't have a crate but she's secured in a part of the of the home where she likes to go and lie down and i put a baby gate up there so she she can't get out uh, at certain times and this baby gate has all sorts of you know guarantees with it or some sorts of guarantees but this dog can bend it out of shape she just has to push it hard enough bend it out of shape and it will fall down and it just got me thinking but you know if you supply a baby gate at the top of stairs and it's there for your guests when they arrive and when the guests go to bed at night they shut the gate and feel secure in the night one of their children gets up and goes and pushes on the gate and it collapses who's going to be to blame i'm going to talk to justin about this issue about baby gates i may be completely wrong here but uh i uh, hopefully justin's listening to this and he'll come back and let me know what his thoughts are Actually, I will bring it up in my Facebook group, which is the business of short-term rentals and property management, and see what he says. So if you're listening to this and you want to see that discussion, head on over there, please, and, uh, and check that out, because I'm not absolutely sure. It just struck me that maybe we should be including baby gates as well. But yeah, number 14 is don't supply baby equipment unless you can check absolutely everything and guarantee safety for every set of guests. Okay. I feel like, you know, this, this almost feels like I've been a bit of a Debbie Downer, but it's not. It really isn't. I've become so much more conscious of safety, uh, safety for my guests and for owners as well. Protection from the potential of liability suits and accidents happening and complaints, you know? So anyway, as I say, you can go to the show notes uh, on vacationrentalformula.com and download this PDF, which lists all, and I'll make sure I've got all 14, all 14 things that you should remove from your property or, th- or 14 things you should never have in your property when you rent it out. So please go there and download that. Wow. I didn't think I'd get through all of those and, uh, you know, hope that you've enjoyed it. Maybe you've picked up on a couple of things that you hadn't really thought about. I'm sure there's other things that I missed and, you know, maybe you'll drop me a note in the show notes or go to the Facebook group and make your suggestions there as well, because I'll post this up in there, uh, as well. Okay. It's a lovely day out here now, as I'm recording this. And uh, I spoke to Matt Landau on the Unlock podcast last week and said that now I am not, you know, 100% involved in my business anymore. Uh, I'm going to spend more of my time weeding. And, and it seems like since the moment I've said that, the weeds have grown 10 times as fast. So that's where I'm heading now. I'm going to go and spend a couple of hours weeding and then I'm going to be spending some time 
building on um, our vacation rental business school course that my friend Jodie Bourne and I are putting together. We are really spending so much time on this. I can't wait to get this launched in the next couple of months. You're going to start hearing more about it very, very soon. It's going to be awesome. It was going to be awesome when I was doing it on my own two years ago, and we created this fantastic course. And then, of course, COVID got in the way and it got set on the side. But now, with the help of Jody, who is creating all the marketing modules, it's going to be second to none. You will not find a set of courses better than this anywhere. Do you know, I can almost guarantee that Um, because they're coming from me having been in the business for 20 years now and from Jody, who has all sorts of amazing experience in travel and tourism, in developing marketing websites, digital marketing. She knows marketing inside and out and is a fantastic teacher too. So if you're interested in pre-registering for this course, there will be some information on the show notes as well. Uh, So go along and check that out because there's going to be some great deals for you if you pre-register. So on that note, I am heading off to get some work done this afternoon and it's lovely to have been with you and I look forward to being with you again next week. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.